Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and late night stormtrooper pal, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm story expert and broken, hollow mockery of the human condition, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about The Initiative, the seventh episode of season four. The Initiative aired on November 16th, 1999, and was written by Douglas Petrie and directed mm-hmm. by James A. Contner. And James fucking Marsters is in the opening credit. I know. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> All right. For those of you who are unaware, this is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast. So we're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about everything that happens in Buffy. We may even talk about stuff that happens in Angel. What I'm saying is you're going to want to watch it all and then come back. You dumped me and staked me and hurt me and left me. So let's go on patrol. initiative, we are introduced to Riley's buddies, Forrest and Graham. Forrest, who is the human expression of the concept of ugh, objectifies all the women in the dining hall, specifically Buffy. Riley is unsure. Buffy's a bit too peculiar for him. Meanwhile, Spike wakes up in an electrified cell, one of many in some facility full of caged demons. At Giles's, Xander and Giles are trying to figure out what's going on with the commandos, and we get a peek at the looming existential crisis that is Sweater Giles. Once again, I'd say that you and I will not be needed to help Buffy. Really? Really. Well, how about this? We whip out the Ouija board, light a few candles, summon some ancient unstoppable evil, mayhem, 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 we show up and kick its ass. Buffy walks in and says she's taking Willow to a party that night to cheer her up, so Xander and Giles will be on patrol. In the facility, the vamp in the cell next to Spike warns him about the blood being drugged and mentions the Slayer. Spike loses his mind and swears to take her apart. In class, Willow asks about Oz not being on the roll call and Maggie Walsh is a total monster about it. Oh my God. Giles and Xander prepare for an evening out patrolling. Riley and, ugh, Forrest talk about Buffy and then ask Parker about her. Who is gross, and why are you still here, Parker? Nobody <laughs> likes you. Especially, as it turns out, Riley. You know the difference between a freshman girl and a toilet seat. The toilet seat doesn't follow you around after you use it. <clears throat> okay, okay, Riley's not so bad, at least right now. He processes why he hit Parker, realizes he has feelings for Buffy, and goes to see her. In the facility, Spike pretends to be knocked out as a couple of white coats come to get him and put him on a stretcher. He fights with the white coats, frees the vamp in the cell next to him, and they rush out. He throws the other vamp to a bunch of commandos and gets out. Willow is moping in her dorm room when Riley shows up and tells her he wants to ask Buffy out and wants her help. Okay. Say that I help. And you start a conversation. It goes great. You like Buffy. She likes you. Spend time together, feelings grow deeper, and one day, without even realizing it, you find you're in love. Time stops, and it feels like the whole world's made for you two, and you two alone. Until the day one of you leaves and rips the still beating heart from the other, who's now a broken, hollow mockery of the human condition. Yep, that's the plan. Willow warms up to Riley a little and tells him that Buffy likes cheese, which is a start. She also tells him about the party they're going to, which is coincidentally at his dorm. Spike shows up at Harmony's lair. 
He gives her some half-assed, semi-affectionate platitudes, and she takes him back happily. He wants to go kill the Slayer, but she thinks it's a bad idea because the Slayer will kick his ass. Again. At the party, Willow gives Riley some insider tips. Okay, she's wearing the halter top with sensible shoes. That means mostly dancing light contact, but don't push your luck. Heavy conversations out of the question. So what do I do? Ask her to dance. Right. Dance. Wait. No. What's the matter? I can't dance. Then talk. Keep eye contact. Funny is good, but don't be glib. And remember, if you hurt her, I will beat you to death with a shovel. A vague disclaimer is nobody's friend. Have fun. Xander and Giles split up while patrolling, and Xander comes up on Harmony in the Woods. They have a quick slap fight, and she tells him Spike's back and planning to kill Buffy. At the party, even with Willow's help, Riley cannot get started with Buffy. Willow tries to comfort him when a dingo song comes on, and she feels it. She sends him to talk to Buffy and leaves to go back to the dorm. Riley tries to talk to Buffy again, but Xander comes in and takes her out to deal with Spike. Forrest and Graham come to get Riley. They go through a wall mirror that does a retinal scan. It's an elevator. Riley, Graham, and Forrest go down into a subterranean facility where teams of people are working on various demons, and they report in to Maggie Walsh. Gentlemen, suit up. We have a code red. Hostile 17 has escaped. Riley takes command of a team sent out to go after Spike, known to them only as Hostile 17. Buffy meets with Giles and Xander and puts a plan together for killing Spike. Meanwhile, Spike is in the school computer, looking up Buffy's dorm room. Outside, Riley and the commando see Buffy sitting on a bench, waiting. Riley decides he needs to get her out of there, and she almost stakes him. He tries to get her to leave, and she tries to get him to leave. But when they each hear a girl scream, they run off to do their respective jobs. Spike shows up at the dorm, and Willow accidentally invites him in. But when he tries to bite her, pain shoots through his head, and he can't. I don't understand. This sort of thing's never happened to me before. Maybe you were nervous. I felt all right when we started. Let's try again. Willow comforts Spike for a bit, then realizes what she's doing and hits him over the head with a lamp. She runs out. The commandos track Spike to Willow's room and decide to go in. Spike comes into the hallway after Willow and the commandos attack, smoking up the hallway to hide what they're doing, I guess? They get Spike, then try to take Willow into quarantine because she may have been turned. But Buffy comes in and fights them off, shooting Xander's flare gun to blind them all. She gets Willow safely inside the dorm room and continues to fight the commandos. Spike takes that opportunity to run away. Buffy and a masked Riley fight, and then Riley's vision starts to come back and he realizes he's been fighting a woman. He rushes off with the commandos, telling them to abort the mission. At the facility, Walsh gives them a dressing down, and Riley reports that Hostile 17's chip is working. He can't hurt any living human. On campus, Riley approaches Buffy, and they talk. Did Willow tell you I like cheese? You're a little peculiar. All 
right, Noel. Um, okay, so the initiative is one of these episodes, and I need to find like a term for describing those episodes where the main story, the A plot, you don't really think about it that much. When you think about the episode, when I think about this episode, I just think commandos and all of that stuff that I don't really care that much about. <laughs> and I forget how delightful this episode really can be. I mean, the moment to moment stuff is great. We've got Xander's dialogue, which is great. And of course, this is the Xander that I love. We get Buffy telling off Maggie Walsh, which I love so that. Good. Riley hitting Parker in the face, which is really cathartic. <laughs> uh, sweater Giles, we get Spike, you know. And of course, I looked it up at a certain point where I'm like, this is a delightful episode. This is a delightful episode. Who wrote this? And of course, of course, it's Doug Petrie, who is right up there with Jane Espenson, Marty Noxon, and Joss Whedon in my list of favorite writers ever. But the overall story of the initiative is kind of like, meh, you know, 10 minutes in, we still don't have a strong sense of the episodic narrative. Who's the bad guy? What's the conflict? It doesn't really show up in the first act, at least not for Buffy. I mean, basically, Buffy is kind of the object in these stories. The A story is Riley realizing he has feelings for Buffy and wanting to talk to her. So that's kind of what the A story is. And then the B story is Spike trying to kill Buffy and get out of the mm-hmm. the, um, the initiative facility. So Buffy is kind of like sidelined in this. And it's about these men who want her for different reasons. Although Spike has some of the same reasons, I think. Um, <laughs> so it's because of this phenomenon where like the main story isn't strong enough for me to remember this episode that whenever I think about it, I'm like, ugh, the initiative. But when I actually watched it the short game like the moment to moment work is fantastic and the long game is functional I just don't really care because it's about what Riley wants and it's about what Spike wants and this is an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer so it feels a little weak I don't know what was your response overall to the initiative well I always forget that the initiative is probably my most quoted episode of Buffy oh yeah uh, because there Mm -hmm. are several lines that are so wonderful and work in a variety of situations you know like day to day sort of you know if you hurt her I will beat you to death with a shovel you know it's like it's a real it's the real deal um but I'm with you on the like Buffy is just kind of there Mm -hmm. like she just she sort of moves through the the world she's the objective she's not the protagonist yeah Yeah, it's so like my notes literally the heading of my notes is this week in men Um, (laughs) i mean there were a lot of men in this episode it is a very manly man episode yeah it's like yeah it's like a very very manly episode of buffy Mm -hmm. um which is ironic because of course we open with forrest saying women Young, nubile, exciting, and a close-up uh, of breasts and just, oh, oh that's fun. God. What? Also, yeah. can we just, like, anybody out there who wants to describe a young woman as nubile, <laughs> just don't. Just don't. don't. Do there that. are other words. Go to your thesaurus, <laughs> find something better, because I hate that word. That word feels so predatory to me in nature. It's very, yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very Lolita. Mm -hmm. It's really uncomfortable. Um, And so Forrest is drooling over Buffy while Buffy is being a complete and total klutz. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, Lonnie, this is kind of a romantic heroine thing. Like, she's perfect in every possible way, except, oh, no, Froyo, you know, she trips on nothing. She loses to a ballpoint pen. Like, it's like, oh, it's so cute. And she's so perfect, but she can't be perfect because, you know, she breaks the Froyo machine. And right. Froyo, by the way, is a millennial abbreviation for fantasies of Riley ogling you only. Oh, You're welcome. 
Oh, that's very yes. sweet. But, I like it. Yeah, no, this is absolutely a romantic comedy heroine trope, right? You know, it's it's a little bit Manic Pixie Dream Girl where it's like she's perfect in every way. But we have to have something about her that gives her a sense of humanity and vulnerability and accessibility. And so we make them clumsy. Like, you know, they, they can trip over things. And isn't it so cute? So that the thing about them that is imperfect is still so freaking cute, you know. Um, and it's really annoying, you know. Um, it's one of those things that you see over and over and over and over again. It's like, no, rough up those edges. A woman can only be lovable if her flaws are cute, you know. Yeah. And that I find to be like a, a repetitive and, and really irritating kind of cultural message. Yep. Yep. It's gross. I don't like it. Forest. <laughs> forest. Really? I mean, mm. Forest uses the word mattressable and just, yeah, no. Stop no. trying to make mattressable happen, Forest. <laughs> it's not going to happen. He's just the worst. He's just the absolute worst. Although I do like this moment where, you know, like uh, Riley saying there's something definitely off about Buffy and Graham, Graham says maybe she's Canadian. So good. It's kind of cute. I kind it's of kind love of cute. I do Graham. like Graham. I like Graham. Graham's I very like sweet. Him. He's, we don't he's get much of him supportive. in this episode. No, yes. he's very supportive yeah. of Riley in this episode, though, and I, I think it's very cute. Um, he is. But it's, I mean, eh. Mm. <laughs> like, eh. Like, yeah. the, it's, it's all the boys doing their boy stuff. And I mean, I love the, I love the Xander Giles boys doing boy, boy stuff. Boy stuff, Yes. Yes, no, that is actually a nice oh, contrast to that. Yeah. It's really, really very sweet. Um, Xander and Giles, I have to say, so we've got Sweater Giles, right, who I love. Sweater Giles is <laughs> speaks directly to my heart. I love in this episode how he's constantly eating his feelings. It is such a sweet detail to show oh him, like, feeling useless and pointless and uninspired, you know. Um, I love Giles and Xander as a thematic team, like two men on either side of, of like, feeling useless, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I love that Giles can like expertly handle the flare gun when Xander is there with right. all of his, you know, implanted uh, soldier experience. <laughs> I'll tell you, Giles has got a skill set. And then when the when his mom, when Xander's mom calls down and then Giles is like, is it raspberry fruit punch? It's just it's so cute. I love sweater Giles. I love Giles. I love Giles. You know, handling the flare gun with just mm -hmm. no comment. No, just takes oh, yeah. it. And, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I also love him grazing on Xander's chips. I know. Did you, did you see that? It's kind of in the background. It's not really called out, but it's so funny. He takes one. He pops it in his mouth chomps down grimaces and then just sets the bag down like no not worth it like, <laughs> like i'm not that depressed exactly doritos and it's doritos too which i find like the specificity of that uh because i think doritos is the food you eat when you're depressed and secretly trying to kill yourself i think that's so if he's not willing to eat doritos then he hasn't okay. gone too far down. And I say this as someone, Noelle and I have actually split a bag of Doritos between oh, us. Oh, yes, we have. <laughs> so we know what of we speak. <laughs> but Xander, the 
this is my I love Xander so much in this episode like he is becoming the Xander that when I was ashamed for loving him in the first three seasons like this is the reason why I love the latest in fall fascism I like it a bit full in the hips for my taste like he's just everything is so cute he has such great dialogue here in the beginning when he and Giles are hanging out trying to figure out the commandos and Giles is all like well you know not that we'll be able to do anything about it you know and Xander goes look we get out the Ouija board we summon some unstoppable evil mayhem 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 we show up and kick its ass right and I'm like oh I see I see we're laying the track down here for once more with feeling you know mm-hmm. um, but yeah I just I love everything Xander in this whole thing when he's like right now I don't have the technical skills to join the Swiss army and all those guys ask you to do is uncork a couple of sassy Cabernets I love all of this stuff but my favorite Xander is Xander and Harmony's slap fight. Like, yes. this freaking yes. delights me. Amen. Most epic fight in all of <laughs> Buffy. It makes me so oh, yeah. happy. I love that whole thing. But also, like, she's a, she's a fucking vampire. Like, she could take Xander. When they're there pulling each other's hair, and they're both like, okay, I'll let go, I'll let go, I'll let go. I'm like, okay, now Harmony... Like, okay, is the strength that you get from being a vampire, is it... um I guess, proportional to the strength that you had as a human so that if you were a weaker human, then you'd be a weaker vampire. I she's, think you know, so. She's kind of tiny. I think so, so because we've had you know, big like brute yeah. vampires who are clearly the muscle. Mm-hmm. Like we've, we've yeah. seen, you know, like the big, mm-hmm. you know, meathead bro vampires. Those right. guys seem to be, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. I just assume I that vampire is just like a filter that you put on human. I know that's not really what right. the show wants us to think, but like, <laughs> because really, like, I mean, we have enough evidence at this point that like being a vampire really just kind of dials up certain aspects of a person's personality. And yeah, right. you're, you know, stronger and immortal or whatever, but not... Mm-hmm. And evil and soulless. Yeah, and evil and yeah. soulless and, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> and on and on and on, right. whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I think I, I buy Harmony as like a tiny little vampire, right. little, you know, little strength. slip of a vamp. I well, like it. Who is she biting? Like, she can't take Xander in a fight. Like, I guess she's biting very tiny women, I guess. <laughs> you know? It's possible. Like, is that the vampire's version of I'll just have a salad? I don't know. <laughs> Oh my I don't know. god. Oh but... my god. Oh my god. Oh I just No, I'm I'm not hungry at all. I just I'm ate a supermodel. <laughs> I just had a supermodel. Supermodel. <laughs> oh my god. But I love this with Xander. It's like Harmony, it's been great catching up. I'm gonna take the shattered shreds of my dignity and go home. <laughs> Oh God, his owl just so when cute. she slaps his him owl is when so good. He's I so offended. He he's is, like, I'm he gonna. Is. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna put this stake through your heart. And she's like, please. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> I'll kill you where you it's stand. So like she's sweet. not impressed. And then she smacks him, and I he's know. offended, which I love. I it's like, know. it's <laughs> so cute. So it's good. so incredibly cute. And then, of course, we've got Spike and Harmony, you know, um, so as long as we're on Harmony. Let's keep going. Um, I love I love this whole thing with Spike and Harmony. I love um, his, my little foam latte, mon petit creme brulee. Like oh everything God, he yes. says to her is just 
my little pack of mentholated smokes when he's looking around. You're like, it's just, it's so freaking cute. And he absolutely, of course, has no intention of staying with her. And then she's out burning his stuff. You know, and like you're a vampire harmony. Maybe don't play with matches. Like maybe, maybe. But, okay. Know. All right. Vampires clearly have a thing for fire, though, because oh um, yeah, Angel. Uh-huh. Why is there a fire in the fireplace? At and he's know, always sitting right next to it, reading. Yeah, reading with paper, reading with what? something that could be kindling. <laughs> yes, like, you yourself are flammable. This will completely you yourself kill you. are highly flammable. There are we three things this. in the world that can kill you. Everything else is fine. <laughs> Three things that can kill you. So maybe avoid those three things. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they love fire. They love peanut butter. I don't know. There's some like vampire quirks that show yeah. up. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. yeah she's, like, she's just playing with matches. Gasoline. Mm-hmm. No big deal. I know. <laughs> it's so oh, cute. Harmony. Harmony. Like, Spiky, I would listen to the Slayer sex alone. pistols. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> It is so incredibly cute. It is so cute. But of course, like, I love Spike. Of course, I always love Spike. But Spike in this episode, when he starts, when the other vampire says the Slayer, and he goes on his crazy rant, which I absolutely love. Let me go ahead and just play that for you now. The Slayer. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) Took apart my crew and led me straight to these guys. Set me up, too. I always worried what would happen when that bitch got so funny. <laughs> Wised up a bit. Fine! I'll take her apart. I don't care how brilliant she is. I don't care how brilliant she is. <laughs> love it. I and love I always it. worried what would happen when that bitch got some funding. I just, I love the whole thing. I love his obsession, you know, with Buffy. And of course, like, you know, I, I keep thinking... When did he fall in love with Buffy? When did he fall in love with Buffy? And I really do. I absolutely, he's already obsessed with her now. You know, Um, I think that he fell in love with her when he watched the videotapes of her fighting way back in season two when he was in the Mm. factory. Um, I think, I think that's when this all started. I, he's definitely, there's that, that, you know, mustache twirling villain, but also infatuation thing going on with Spike and Buffy, which I really, Mm -hmm. really enjoy. Um, right. Yeah, I would I would buy it, especially because Spike loves the world. So Spike loves TV and Spike watching yeah. TV. There's something very, yeah, you know, down to earth about that. And yeah, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's set up this this recording and all that. But I, yeah, I like it. Metaphorically, I like it. I like that idea. Well, and then Spike, that aligns Spike with the audience, too. If yes. Spike... Mm-hmm. If Spike forms this attachment to Buffy in season two through the TV screen, mm-hmm. I mean, hello, yeah. <laughs> like, hello, this is this is what we're all doing here. <laughs> so Spike, yeah. Spike is a little bit of an audience. I don't know, I don't know. He's he's a he's not quite an access character uh-huh. in the usual sense, but he right. definitely. He gets to respond to things in a way yeah. that I think feels very much like he is an audience member. Uh, like yeah. he is with us watching the show. 
<laughs> yeah, no, there is. There is a little bit of that. There is a little bit of a of a metatextual kind of feel to Spike that he knows a little bit more about, like what's going on, you know. Yeah. Um, but he's really fun. And then you know we've got Buffy, of course, as the background, as the object in these two competing stories, Riley's story and Spike's story. Um, but I love. We got a couple of great moments for Buffy. We have this great moment where she's so there for Willow. She is completely into taking care of Willow. She is not going on patrol because she's taking care of Willow. And when she mm-hmm. tells Giles and Xander that, she is like, and I will not have argument. This is how it is. You guys are going on patrol. I love that. Um, and of course, I love when she has this interaction with Maggie Walsh. You know, for someone who teaches human behavior, you might try showing some. It's not my job to coddle my students. You're right. A human being in pain has nothing to do with your job. Oh, man. I love that. I love the way she confronts Maggie Walsh. Um, I even like the fact that this is the moment when Riley's like, oh, I like this girl, you know? Well, it's funny because, of course, Maggie Walsh comes back from that interaction and says, I like her. (laughs) I like her. Which is so great. And then Riley's just like, what? (laughs) You know, and then we we get another... We get to hit peculiar again, which yes. is such a weird, like writerly choice of word. Like, yes, I mean, this episode is brought to you by the word peculiar. It is. Like, and I don't know, I don't know what it would take for me personally to describe someone as peculiar. So right. I looked it up. It's not a word that people use. Ooh, I like I it. Did. A little etymology. Our, I our etymology moment. I so yes, <laughs> etymology corner of still pretty. Yes. Um, so peculiar comes from peku, which is Latin for cattle. So that's Ooh. fun. Yeah. Interesting. Really, did yeah. he call her a cow? Yeah. Well, the first meaning of peculiar, and I did not know this, is belonging exclusively to one person from ah. Latin peculiaris of one's own property from peculium private property which is property being measured in cattle which in ancient times was the most important form of property so to paraphrase when harry met sally is one of us supposed to be cattle in this scenario (laughs) yes but the sense of peculiar as strange didn't come into the language into the english language until quite a bit later I think that's oh, interesting. Interesting. So. No, that is so interesting. I love this etymology moment thing you're doing. <laughs> that is like one of my favorite things. Please keep that going. I um, yeah, shall. <laughs> exactly. The use of peculiar here, it is a very writerly word. It's the kind of word that you write, but you don't say. But Riley says it along with courting, which whatever, yes. Riley. Like, uh-huh. since when did you become a 19th century British gentleman? Like, whatever. Are you are you her suitor? Like, what the hell is that? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, probably. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to go woo her, I guess. Um, so we have this whole thing with with Riley. We've got this whole peculiar thing. And I, I have very mixed feelings about Riley. Like, as we all know, as I think I have clearly expressed a number of times, my entire experience of Riley throughout the run of the show is kind of like the anti-Xander, right? You know, like Xander gets so good that I love him and that love kind of washes over everything else that he does, even when he's terrible. Um, And I have the opposite experience with Riley is that how much I hate him by the time we get to season five, when he finally fucking leaves, um, bleeds into everything. And as I'm watching this episode, I'm like, you know what? I 
like him. I like that he doesn't fall in love with Buffy because she's beautiful. That it's when he sees who she actually is that he starts to fall for her. Um, He's impressed by the fact that she stood up to Maggie Walsh and told her off. I like that, you know. (laughs) Um, I like, you know, when he's talking to his friends about her, you know, and I like all of that stuff. Um, I love that he notices Willow with the bag when he goes to the dorm room to try to talk about Buffy and Willow's trying to, like, you know, surreptitiously kick the bag of weapons under the bed. And he's like, oh, let me help you with that, and then pushes it under there. He's so focused on helping her with her objective, which, A, he knows notices in the first place mm-hmm. which i like yeah um and b then doesn't make it his business to look at what's in the bag he just you know that's not his business he's just helping her he's so focused on her so i actually really kind of like that with him um and i like that moment where he says if you want to tell me to go to hell that's fine maybe this is the last thing you want to talk about right now I love that he has that sensitivity to her feelings in that moment, that he's thinking not just about how to get Buffy, but he's also thinking about how him asking Willow that might make be making Willow feel right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like all that stuff about Riley. But then... <laughs> do you want to go into the stuff that's shitty about Riley in this episode? I thought you might have some fun with that. I mean, okay. <laughs> I love I love the moment with Riley helping Willow hide the weapons under the bed because yes. as you say he's clearly paying attention he knows mm-hmm. that something is private he's like this I love and there's a lot of there's a lot of Riley that I really yes. really like in this episode but this is this is the episode where my Riley love starts to fade a little bit mm-hmm. so Riley punches Parker and I am here for it. I mean, I'm here for it. But and here's the thing. I mean, Parker, what? Like, why is he still here? Seriously, why is he still here? What is going on? And he's so like extra gross. Like he's extra gross because when we last left him, I mean, before he was knocked unconscious, um, Mm -hmm. Parker was the floppy haired douchebag with a couple of good ideas about sex and intimacy. Like, right? He was manipulative and gross, but also he had that like. "Eh, Right, you know, maybe he's got a point, but this is yeah. some like next level gross. I oh, can't, like, yeah, it's uh, did he have a personality transplant when he was knocked unconscious? I don't know, whatever, or did it just bring out his true nature? Anyway. Or is he just really even worse than we thought he was? Which was not great, Parker. No, like, you had no. a low bar and you dug underneath and oh made like a groove that you could then slide under like a freaking snake. I uh, got, I no, think you know what it is last we see of Parker, but Jesus, you know what it is. We have never seen mm-hmm. him alone with men, with, with other men. men. This oh. is how he is with men versus how he is with women. We've oh, only ever seen him so with women. Gross. That's disgusting. Okay. Moving right yes. along. So I'm, I'm glad Riley punched him. Oh, in the I'm face. so <laughs> glad Riley punches him, but I hate this idea that Riley only punches Parker because Parker is being gross about Buffy. Right. And then this acoustic guitar music is playing as the guys are walking through the quad. Like, we're supposed to think that this is romantic. Like, we're supposed to be like, oh, Riley, in this moment, oh, he's in love with Buffy. No, no. Forrest straight up tells him, I say way grosser things all the time and you don't punch me in the face. You know, like. Exactly. Exactly. It's okay to be gross about women as long as you're not interested in dating them or courting them, as it were. Right. 
what the fuck? What the fuck? And right. Well, it's because Riley, this is his woman, right? So this is his cattle. This is his peculiar. <laughs> this is his, right? Yeah. She's his, she's his cattle. He's decided that she's his, right? And yeah. so now she is his to defend. And he's got this old-fashioned, chivalrous kind of view of the world, which is complicated. Teutonic, as Teutonic, as it turns out. Yes. But, and I mean, I like the scene. I like a lot of the interactions between mm-hmm. Riley and Willow. But when he yeah. comes to ask about Buffy, I mean, when he comes to ask about Buffy and Willow goes, she's not here. Which <laughs> is so oh. cute. It's so, so cute. But Riley doesn't, I don't think, know Willow well enough to make that, you know, I hope I'm not interrupting anything really depressing. Right. I just Mm -hmm. that was like right on it was like right on a line for me Um, but of course you know and Buffy calls him on it later she says you think boys can take care of themselves and girls need help and he says yeah and I'm like I'm out I'm out out. out. okay here's the thing I'm not completely (laughs) out on that while I definitely disagree and I think that his view of everything is you know needs some uh, education, probably. Um, I appreciate that he like had. I mean, I think it comes from a good place, you know. And he was raised in a society where that's what he was told. It makes a good man, somebody who protects the ladies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives him a place to arc with his character and his understanding of the world. So, like, I I agree a hundred percent. At the same time, I'm like, well, he's young he'll learn like you know i'm not gonna cancel cancel (laughs) riley over that shit trust me like that is not the thing that's gonna get riley canceled with me um but his protective like i am man bullshit you know is is really annoying on that um you know and he's got this like idea of like protecting the civilians from the demons and when he's in this scene with her what drives me crazy is that he keeps touching her yes like he doesn't know she's the slayer. He is easily twice her size. Yeah. I Don't mean, touch. Her, her waist is as big around as his neck. Like, it's just I know. not. I know. I know. And it's just like, I understand that as an actor, you go in to physically express the intent of the scene and him trying to move her speaks to his intent. And like, I get where that comes from as a blocking thing, as an acting thing. But the thing is that like a man of that size... I mean, touching a woman, like, t- also, don't touch women unless invited to. Like, <laughs> don't, just touch don't, don't touch people. Don't touch anybody. Don't touch anybody. <laughs> don't touch anybody. I mean, I have a problem with this because I'm a hugger. So it's very hard for me because I have this I have this tendency to, like, see people and hug them without asking permission. First, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, but some people don't like to be touched. Some people don't feel comfortable with that. And I think you have to be sensitive to that, especially because you don't know what her history is. Like, you know, if she had been at some point, and let's face it, lots of people have had some assault at some point in their lives. Like, you don't know. You don't know what's going to freak people out. So just fucking don't do it. So him using his, like, undeniable hugeness, you know, his physical presence as a way to like physically move her against her will uh do not like that do not care for that i i appreciate the i want to protect people i appreciate that he wants to use like his body and his power to protect Mm -hmm. other people um from things that he thinks she doesn't know about from things that he thinks like you know and i i 
get that. And I think that that genuinely does come from a good place. Um, but Riley is, you know, I, I start to like him in this episode and then it takes that, that like weird left turn. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's not great. Plus the fact that look who he hangs out with. Okay. Also, let me just say, for the record, I fucking resent that we finally get a character of color and he's a fucking asshole, right? Um, I mean, the thing is that black characters can be shitty and that's fine. They don't need to be perfect. That's insulting. That shit is annoying and insulting. But when you never have any characters of color, with very few exceptions, we've had a couple of exceptions, you know, but not much in this show. And then you finally add one and they're flatly characterized. I mean, he is flatly characterized. If he was an interesting asshole, if he was like a spike, (laughs) you know, if he was a Mr. Trick, yeah, Yeah. then I'm in. I'm in. But to flatly characterize, like, it's just, it's, you can't afford it because you don't have enough characters of color on this show. Um, So if you're going to have a character of color, just write them well. Fucking whatever. So anyway. Anyway, so, um, yeah, and especially, I mean, there's something there's something extra gross about making the black man are like, yeah. you know, always ready to go sexual. Objectifying all like the women, that, right? That's, I mean, ooh, just a little awareness, yeah. just you know, whatever. Not good. Um, so yeah, that whole thing, that whole thing is really annoying. Um, and, uh, and the thing is like, I actually like the actor. I remember him from heroes. I enjoyed it. So like, I enjoyed the actor. I think that he's charming and he's, fun. but what they give him to do is terrible. It's terrible. Not just in that he's like, a, a, like classically bad person. He's a bad human. He is a broken human. Like there's that, but it's badly written. Like yeah. he's just badly written. Yeah. He's written without thinking about him as a character. And then we have Graham, who's just the <laughs> sweetest. He gets like two lines, but he's maybe she's Canadian. It's just really sweet. Canadians are some of my favorite people in the world. So yes, maybe she is Canadian. Like that's an incredible compliment. <laughs> Something I do like about the Forest Riley mm-hmm. standoff at the beginning. Yes. Right? Yes. I do like that they have very different perspectives. I like that. You know, mm-hmm. Forrest, I mean, he's being disgusting, but he's like, yeah, he's he's got this whole thing that he's doing. And Riley's just like not interested. Like, I need yeah. to do my I need to grade my yeah. papers. And then later on, you know, Forrest is like, oh, I can, you know, I can take a hostel at 30 feet and she won't even, you know, like use her uh-huh. as bait. And Riley's uh-huh. like, no, <laughs> no way. Right. And pulls rank on him. I like their. Yeah. Dynamic, like there's more like story there. Yeah. yeah, there's more yeah. story there, and I do appreciate that. I like that their their energies are very different in the scenes that they're in together. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, g- come on, come on, gross, yeah. flat. You don't need to do that. You can make him a jerk. In he can be a jerk. That's fine, but nuanced, just don't flatly yeah. characterize him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really shitty. It's poorly <sighs> poorly done. There's some, um, yeah. So speaking of um. Maybe suboptimal decisions. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that pair of scenes with Spike and Willow? Oh yes, okay. absolutely. Because I'm saving this for last. Okay, all right. Because Are we ready? it's also it's it's kind of my favorite thing, and it is also like really a problem. So I know exactly what you mean. It. I know exactly yes. what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for 19.99 on the WB, it was the WB at this point, right? It was the WB. Yeah, this um, this scene between Spike and Willow seems graphic, and then like especially so, and then suddenly we're in a comedy. (laughs) I just don't. 
I mean, I really enjoy the writing in both of these scenes, but especially in the yeah. post credits part of the right. scene. I mean, mm-hmm. the jokes are funny. And I also just identify with Willow in a big way. You know, right. I was I have been the girl no one wanted. Aww. So Willow's assessment yeah. of it's me, isn't it? Like it hits, right. it hits home for me, um, you know, and then Spike, yeah. like, God bless him follows up with a specific example of a time he thought about biting her, which I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, But I think that I would love the post commercials, you know, the performance struggles humor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Except that in the scene before the show goes so, so hard. I mean, the physicality of that assault is brutal and it is specific. Um, You know, the way he throws her back when she tries to run for the door and then like Mm -hmm. slowly closes the space between them because he knows that he's won he's going to kill her he tells her Mm -hmm. you know i'm not going to give you a choice about that but i'll give you a choice about you know whether i bring you back as a vampire or not and i was like okay Mm -hmm. hot but also like no (laughs) you know know? we can't help how we feel noelle i can't i I can't help it i know i know it's fiction very complicated Yes. This is, you know, like sometimes you just have to keep telling yourself like this is what fiction is here for. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, you know, she screams and he puts his the way he claps his hand over her mouth. This is a thing he did with Drusilla, too, where he would like Mm -hmm. turn his hand kind of upside down so that it's not just a it's not Mm -hmm. just I'm putting my hand on you, but you can see the pressure applied. It's great. It's it's a great scene physically, but they go so hard and he's so much bigger and more powerful than she is and then he cranks mm-hmm. the music and yeah something about that gives me like full body goosebumps and i start to dissociate a little bit like it's oh, really oh no. yeah and, no, and i don't know what terrifying. it is like why is that so powerful is it because it's kind of premeditated because he knows what he's doing is it because this song is such a perfect like yeah. you know lilith fair era folk rock mm-hmm. you know girl anthem kind of emotion right. i don't know there's something about that moment and like the seriousness with which he cranks that volume mm-hmm. and then throws her down on the bed and the straddling and the pinning her arms by her sides and i feel like yeah we all just like you know Whew, like it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It a is. Lot. It's and really then of tough. course the coda on it is the hallway, and nobody, nobody knows this is happening. Yeah, you know, just a few yeah. feet from all of these other people, and nobody knows. Nobody can hear anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's really, it's really terrifying. It's really, really intense, and the intensity of that attack for me mm-hmm. takes away from the scene that comes afterwards. Um, it does because the scene that comes afterwards is so great. But here we have this this moment, you know, with them, right? This this little scene with them, where it's a rape analog. I mean, it's clearly a rape yeah. analog, right? Yeah. And then you know, so in this moment, it's it's so difficult, and it's so terrifying. And, you know, and it can be something that can be really hugely triggering, you know, for anybody, whether you've had the experience or not, it's a, it's a horrible thing to watch and to watch happen to Willow. Like that's, that's really, really hard. So, um, you know, we go from that into the second scene where we have this erectile dysfunction analog coming right on the heels of the rape analog, yeah. you know, and it's just a source of real internal conflict for me because he just tried to like 
rape her. I mean, metaphorically speaking, but Trish tried to rape her. And now metaphorically speaking, he can't rape her. And that's supposed to be funny. And then she comforts him yep. for not being able to rape her. And, you know, so I'm I'm in this like deep, deep conflict with this. And then at the same time, it's so brilliantly done. And I love it with my whole heart because I just can't help myself. And I blame Doug Petrie. Well, yeah. I mean, and the patriarchy, yeah. right? Because and the patriarchy. like it's I it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Like the and we've seen Willow be asked to comfort Spike in a moment where she's terrified before. Right. right. This has happened yeah. before. Um, this is not our first rodeo with this. No. Yeah. No. But I love and it. It's so that awful. is also such a real dynamic though in mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. I mean where Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody hurts you, and then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, I gotta turn around and like help you with your tender feelings because what exactly? Like- <laughs> Let me make you feel better. Yeah. Let me make you feel better. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. It it is, and because that is such a like a real you know, analog for actual experience. That also makes it uncomfortable, but it's so wonderful. And the thing is, like, in and of itself. When she's like trying to comfort him and then she's like, it's me, it's me. Like, you don't want to bite me. You just came here because I was, I was here. I was available, you know? Yep. And he's like, don't be ridiculous. I'd bite you in a heartbeat. And then when he says, remember last year you had on that fuzzy pink number with the lilac, lilac underneath, underneath that he remembers what she wore and it's so incredibly sweet. And yet it's the, you're fuckable line, which is also gross. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so difficult. Yeah. This whole thing is so difficult because yeah. I love it so much. And yet it is it is really like when you actually sit and think about it, this is a tough scene. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think that it it works because and I mean, yeah. it, like you and I are both it super does. conflicted about this. But what part of what I know works, that's how well it works. That, that's well, how well it works. Part yeah. of the reason that it works. And I think for for folks who are socialized feminine like there can be that kind of confusion about, yeah oh yeah like absolutely you know if he's violent toward you that means you're desirable um mm-hmm. you know that i mean he's passionate about you right yeah. you're inspiring that yeah. passion so that you know and it's not subtle right that like being desirable being biteable of course this is on the heels of willow yes. feeling not sexy and that right. was the thing that made her relationship fall apart. And yeah. of course, that's what she's talking about when she says, oh, it's always, you know, oh, you're such a good friend. You're like a sister to mm-hmm. me. She right. is talking about desirability in yeah. this moment of violence. And it's so, like, richly oh, stickily. It is. You know, it's this enmeshed oh, thing that we have about mm-hmm. sex and violence and about mm-hmm. desirability and yeah. Oh, equating equating sexual violence with sexuality instead of with violence. Um, yes. You know what were you wearing? Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Um, yeah. So it's it's so it's so bad, but it's also so so good because the conclusion of the scene you're being uh, you're, you're being too hard on yourself. Why don't we, why don't we wait a half an hour and try again? <laughs> And then she's and then like, she hears or, herself say it. She's, <laughs> she hears herself yes, say it. She realizes what she's doing. And then she picks up the lamp and cracks him over the head. And I'm like, there it is. I know. There it is. 
Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Oh, I love it. Fucking I fucking patriarchy, love it. It's amazing. though. Like, it I is can't. so. <laughs> I know. It's so bad, and yet it's so good, and yet I love it so much, and then I feel terrible for loving it, but you know, whatever. So now I feel a little bad about this section that we're about to go into, but Noelle, what, what are you wearing? Something slutty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, see, I love this line from Buffy. Uh huh. Um, yeah. I have to find something slutty to wear to the party. Because, okay, I know the word slutty is one of those controversial, complicated words. I've had a lot yes. to say. I've had a lot to say on yes. this very show about people being <laughs> called slutty or clothes being described as slutty um, mm-hmm. or, you know, said to be looking slutty or whatever. But I think what I dig about this moment from Buffy is that she's happy about it. Like There's no shame. It's yeah. part of the party prep. And she is yes. reclaiming it, and it's fun, especially yes. especially after her telling Xander in Beer Bad, I'm a slut, <laughs> which right. is just, oh, sweetheart. It's a complicated um, relationship that, that, you know, women have with that word. Yeah, you know? yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, I also just find this bit of emotional linguistics really interesting. So Buffy is happy to wear something slutty, but doesn't want to be a slut. And I think a lot of right. us can identify with some version of that, you know, oh, it yeah. really is this like it's this really, really tricky needle to thread. And again, uh-huh. folks socialized feminine, like that's mm-hmm. a, it's it's a hard, it's a hard thing. So anyway, good talk, good talk, everybody. Good talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so of course, after this line, you know right. that I'm going to zero in on what Buffy actually exactly. wears to the party. <laughs> right. So Willow calls it a halter top, but I think it's a backless spaghetti strap tank top bodysuit yeah i don't know it kind of know. yeah it kind of reminds me of her dancing at the bronze with faith top so mm-hmm. slutty uh, i don't know um yeah depends <laughs> on your definition right yeah. yeah yeah i mean i think i mean for my money like it's very sexy anything backless mm-hmm. give me yeah. all the backless i'm a backless <laughs> kind of a you know you know if you ever want to do the the sexy thing for yeah. my for my gaze, um, but <laughs> I just th- I think it's interesting that she calls out this idea of wearing something slutty, and then this is what she wears, and mm-hmm. then of course Willow uses that as some sort of there's like code, you know, she's wearing the halter yeah. top and sensible shoes, <laughs> so, right? Like all dancing, no, you know, and it's just it's delightful, Aww, delightful, delightful, yeah. delightful. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, now for the boys, the boys. Uh-huh. Wardrobe has been doing this thing with Riley's button front shirts where they're unbuttoned, except for like the yeah. bottom button. <laughs> and I don't know what's going on with that. It looks so ridiculous. I didn't notice. But now from this point forward, I will never not see that. Okay. <laughs> so I think it might be a practical effect. I think it gives him uh-huh. that like, I just casually threw this on over a t-shirt look without his button yeah. front shirt, you know, actually like flapping in the breeze as he walks i don't know yeah um i don't know or you know it could symbolize his open-hearted multi-layered personality (laughs) no i think it's i think it is a physical effect to keep him looking like trim and lean and yes you know captain america even though casual yeah Yeah. even Mm -hmm. though we're clearly supposed to think that he just like rolled out of bed like you know he woke up like this he Um, woke up like this yeah and we get so much Riley changing clothes. My goodness. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, we're not going to nobody hires Mark Lucas and then doesn't have him shirtless. Like, well, yeah, which, you know, (laughs) well, he's not. I mean, we don't we don't get shirtless yet. I don't think. Mm -hmm. But we do get some very, very tight T-shirts. And uh, yeah. mm, uh, But but I enjoy the fact that, you know, so they go down into the. X-Files underground, you know, mm-hmm. shiny insulation trapezoid room. And mm-hmm. Maggie Walsh <laughs> is there in her, like, evil lab coat, because that's how you yes. know, uh, with mm-hmm. her, like, smoked glass desk. And she does the slow turnaround and, you know, ha suit up, gentlemen, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But she tells, so she tells them to suit up and get ready. And they don't leave the cave but they're all suddenly wearing different clothing. And I'm like, did you just yeah. strip down in front of Professor Walsh? Oh, sure. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? I don't think that's the first time. I think that's part of the reason why she took this job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think men. Walsh is into it. Young. Yeah. <laughs> Muscular. Young men. Yeah. There you go. Um, Absolutely. And then, of course, you know, Riley in the <laughs> Riley in the bushes with the binoculars and mm-hmm. You know, the boys want to use Buffy as bait. And he's like, no, I got to get her out of there. And, you know, of course, he. Yeah. Then he, you know, is changing clothes in the bushes, presumably, because mm-hmm. he's not wearing his commando gear. His commando he goes to outfit. Confront her. Yes. But mm-hmm. I, anytime anyone on the show or on this podcast says commando, I think right. no underpants. Like, I just right. I can't help myself. So <laughs> no underpants. Yes. They are the no underpants team. <laughs> the initiative. They are the no underpants. No team. underpants yes. across the board. Um, yeah, so that was not so much like, is clothing deeply meaningful in this episode? Probably somehow. I just got uh-huh. distracted by Mark Flukas and his t shirts and, <laughs> and defining our terms, re slutty party gear. So I love it. I love it. Go. I think it's great. All but right. Got... So, what's your girl power moment of the week? So, I love, I love Willow. I, lo- I mean, yeah. I love Willow, full stop. But I love Willow in the scene with Riley. I've seen honest mm-hmm. faces before. They usually come attached to liars. I love that. And like, yes. Yep. Amen, mm-hmm. sister. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and then again at the party. And remember, if you hurt her, I will beat you to death with a shovel. <laughs> I know. She's so good. And I buy She's it. So you know, like, yeah. I think she really, I think she really would. Oh, she would. It might be a magical shovel. But she would absolutely do it. She would find a way to, you know, as tiny as she is, she would find a way to overpower Riley. I believe that in the Thunderdome between (laughs) Willow and Riley, Willow comes out. Like, that's it, you know. Yeah. Um, All right. So, Noelle, what is your favorite part? I love Riley and Willow as not accomplices. Right. I love that. I love the sneaking her like walking over to him mm-hmm. at the party. The music that accompanies yeah. that is clearly like, okay, we are doing spy stuff. We're on a mission. Yes. It's like, do, 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 like cartoon Absolutely. spy stuff. Um, and I love harmony. I'm so gonna uh-huh. bite you. <laughs> I know. I'm so gonna bite I you. Know. Oh, it's so cute. It's so incredibly cute. I mean, for me, clearly, like my favorite part. You know, much to my great shame is the Spike and Willow stuff. Like, this is the thing that I always remember about this episode, the thing that stands out in this episode. It always delights me, despite, like, the very real feelings I have about it. Yep. 
Um, so it is a, it's a good, it's a good scene. And I just, I love, I love Spike and Willow. I love that relationship. I love the way that they kind of care for each other in this really sweet way. And I just, I can't help it. It, it delights me. So I'm just going to have to deal with that and take it to my therapist. (laughs) That's what fiction is there for. (laughs) That's what fiction is for. If you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. I am at Lonnie Diane Rich, and Noel is at Noel Allowed, and the hashtag is Still Pretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the chipperish media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now, so thank you to our September producers. Kevin, West, Shelley, Abigail, Kristen, Noel, Deborah, Jonathan, Alyssa, Alice, Erica, Sarah, and Heather. This week's special message for our power producers. We loved you in that fuzzy pink number with the lilac underneath. <laughs> to find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish right now. And there are other ways to show your support. Write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or make Raspberry Punch for Xander and his little friend. We will be back next time with Pangs, the eighth episode of season four. Until then, if you hurt her, I will beat you to death with a shovel. A vague disclaimer is nobody's friend. Have fun. Have <laughs> fun.